this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. A reading from the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 83. O God, do not keep silence, uh, silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The, ten, uh, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia uh, with the inhabitants of Tyr, Asher also has joined them. They are, strong, uh, they, they are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Selah. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sursa, and Jabin at the river Kishon, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take possession for ourselves of the pastures of God. Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest. As the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. If you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, most texts are not like that one. That's a little intense, wouldn't you agree? You read that and you may be thinking, how do you reconcile what that says with what Jesus says when he says to love your enemies? And this is speaking curses over enemies. Tonight's big idea is be angry and do not sin. We as, as people only have so much emotional energy that we can spend on a daily basis. And if we spend our time seething in anger, then we are not only emotionally harming ourselves, but we're also physically harming ourselves. I remember at times throughout my life being so angry that it caused me to have physical reactions where my Blood pressure would go up. You could feel the blood pressure in your ears. You could feel a heartbeat going up. Um, And you're just angry to the point where you want to hurt something or someone. Anger is a very powerful emotion. I remember being so angry that I couldn't function because all of my energy was directed 
at someone. And sometimes we can even go years without thinking of an offense, but one day something triggers and we remember what happened many years ago and we get just as mad then as we were back when it happened. It can lead us to say things that we know we shouldn't say. Anger can lead us to fantasize about getting revenge on people. And anger can even move us to tears of sadness and grief. We are emotional beings. But I want you to hear today that anger is a valid emotion. Anger itself is not a a bad thing, but anger can certainly lead us to do bad things. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he gets to this point in the letter, and he, and he says this. He says, be angry. Should pop up on the screen here, chapter 4. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun ga- go down on your anger. Has anyone ever gone to sleep angry at someone? Just me? Really? Come on now. Everybody needs to raise your hand right now. Okay, there we go. So we've gone to, to sleep angry. If you haven't, praise the Lord. I'm glad you haven't. But I have, certainly. And I know many of you have as well. But he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And in verse 27 he says, and give no opportunity to the devil. So this imperative here that says, be angry and do not sin, be angry, most likely means in your anger. It doesn't command you, go be angry. But it means in your anger, if and when you are angry, don't sin. That seems impossible. And I think the reason it seems impossible is most of us don't know how to deal with anger in the, in the right way. We're either emulating a pattern that we've seen through parents or through role models that we've had, or um, we're, and that, there can be all kinds of ways to do that. You can deal with it, and sometimes we look like we're dealing with it well, but on the inside, we're just a mess. You know what I'm talking about? I feel like that's the way I do it typically, is that I don't seem to be angry on the outside, but a lot of times I struggle with it inwardly, and, and I don't know how to process it correctly. Today, hopefully, this psalm is going to teach us uh, two quick points about how we can deal with our anger when we find ourselves angry. Paul is actually quoting Psalm 4, verse 4, when it, it says word for word, be angry and do not sin, and goes on to say, on your bed, reflect in your heart, and be still. And be still. That's what I want us to do, is to realize when we're angry that there is a hope for us. There is a window of opportunity for us to walk through that window or walk through that door and find a place of peace, find a place of stillness, find a place of hope. So in Psalm 83, on the worship folder that you have, there should be an outline. You can fill that out. Point number one for us to take home today is this. The enemies of God are great, but God is greater. The enemies of God are great, but God is greater. If you look at this psalm, he went through and he named a lot of people that were enemies of God. And it's good for us to realize that the enemies that we face in our lives, if they are hostile toward us, if they are sinning against us, if they are harming us, more than them being our enemy, we should realize that they are in that, in that way acting as 
an enemy of God. And what that does is help position us to where we're not the one who's playing the role of God, to where we feel like we have to do something to react in order to make something right in the wrong way. They're not just enemies of us, but they become enemies of God. And this type of psalm, Psalm 69 is another one, and there are a few others, is called an imprecatory psalm. Imprecatory psalm. And what that means is it pronounces curses. It pronounces judgment on people. And you may say, well, I don't think that that's a good type of feeling or a good psalm. But I would say that I think you do. I think you resonate with this psalm more than you want to. And you may be saying, oh yeah, I get the psalm. But for those of you who may not be, when you watch a movie and there's the bad guy who goes around hurting everyone and he gets away with it, how do you feel? You feel angry. It's not right. Why is he getting away with this? But man, at the end of the movie, when the good guy comes back, and I have some spoiler alerts for movies, but I'm not going to go there. But when the good guy comes back and he administers justice and the bad guy dies, there's something within you that feels relief, right? Yes, justice has been served. And so there's something within us that craves justice, and that's a good thing. That is a thing from God. But the question is, as we feel that anger, what is the proper pattern for us to take? Psalm 83, verses 1 and 2, when it talks about the enemies of God, it says this. It says, O God, do not keep silence. Do not keep being silent. Do not hold your peace. Don't be still, O God. For behold, your enemies, they make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. So he's saying, God, your enemies are doing this, so now is the time, God, for you to act. And many times we feel really angry because it looks like God is not acting. There's something going on around us, and we can look in the news, we can look in our neighborhoods, and we can see injustice is happening, and it feels like at times that God is not acting. But there are people in the world that hate God. They're hostile to the very thought of Him. And in fact, maybe more than looking out there to find the enemies of God, maybe we should start looking in another place. Maybe we should realize that there is either a time where we are now or whether we have been in the past enemies of God ourselves. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 reads this. It says, For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, and the context here that he's talking about is enemies of God, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? What it was saying was, God did what he did for us through Jesus Christ, not because we deserved it, not because we were good people, not because we had arrived and finally reached a certain element of holiness in our lives, but God did what he did for us while we were enemies of God. While we ourselves were haters of God, he moved in order to reconcile us to him. That leads us to do something different. We can do like the psalmist did in this passage. What we can do is what he did. We can start naming all of our enemies. Wouldn't that feel good? Some of you have journals and you've already done it, right? Am I, am I in your journal? We'll talk about that later. So you can name the enemies that you have in your life and you can write them down. And you can say, God, this is an issue. 
This person is an issue. This is an injustice. You can name your enemies, but in doing so, what you're going to do, instead of naming them and seeking to vindicate yourself or administer justice yourself, what you're doing is you're writing those names down and you're now taking them to God. You're taking them to someone who's actually trustworthy. Someone who's not just trustworthy, but someone who's also actually powerful enough to do something to bring justice. And you can take them to God and say, God, administer justice. And you are free to ask for whatever you want to ask for. If there's one thing, well, there's several things, but one of the things we can take from this psalm is he didn't hold back. He said, God, pronounce judgment on them and cause them to die in despair. You can pray that to God. You may think, well, that doesn't sound right. Listen, if those are your heart issues, if that's the way you're feeling, you better take those to God because that's the only safe place for you to take them. You start taking those to other people, people may say, yeah, you're right, you need to take matters in your own hands. But see, God, when you go to him with the raw emotions that you feel, he will not be despair and he will not mishandle your emotions. God will be fair. We will not. If you feel like your enemies are greater than you and you must do something, or if you feel like God is not greater than your enemies, then you will likely fight dirty when you think you're about to lose. You'll do whatever it takes, and somehow you'll justify it. It's the lesser of two evils, is what you may tell yourself. But that is not God's plan. God's plan is not for you to feel threatened and not to feel like you're about to lose so that you take matters into your own hands because any true justice that we truly crave is distorted when we start to play the role of God in our lives. And any true justice that happens, true justice, I'm not talking about justice that feels good, I'm talking about true justice that's fair. All of those things are from God. And God can even use ungodly people and ungodly governments to administer his justice in the world. We see evidence of that in the, in the scriptures, and we see evidence of that today. There is common grace that God gives. Even the enemies of God can be used by God to administer his justice. Remember Joseph who said, what you meant for evil to his brothers, God used for good. So God is greater than your enemies. You need to remember that and take your anger to him. Number two, the depth of God's grace. We love to talk about God's grace. The depths of God's grace is unknown until the greatness of God is known. You don't really know how great God's grace is until you understand more and more how great and majestic God is. Psalm 83, verse 13 and following, it reads this. It says, Oh my God, make them, the enemies, like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind that just blows away. As fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so may you pursue them with your tempest, your storm, and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone 
whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. See, the greatness of God is surmised in, in this last verse here that's on the screen. It says, so that they may know that you alone, God, whose name is the Lord, you are the most high. You see, there's only one God, and we worship him, but when we minimize who he is, we start to feel like we need to take matters into our own hands. And we will fight dirty if we think that God's glory is dependent on our strength and our tact. You will think, I need to step in and do whatever it takes. But in that moment, you've forgotten the greatness of God. I'll say this, and I hope you hear this. God is unprecedented. God and His power is unparalleled. There is no one like Him. He is the Most High over all the earth. This is Psalms of Summer, and we're focusing on psalms that are songs to be sung. This is actually a song to be sung, so I'm not sure what station this would play on, but, uh, and I don't have it on my playlist yet, but maybe I'll find it, Psalm 83. But there is only one God, and, and there is a song that, uh, that I've been listening to lately that is, um, is really good for me to remember the greatness of God, and it, the song is entitled, So Will I, by Hillsong. And I want to read some of the song to you. It says, God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. And if the stars were made to worship, so will I. It says, God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. Evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, then so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say, every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. And if creation still obeys you, so will I. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar at your greatness, so will I. If everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum, listen, if the sum, the total of all of our praises still falls short, falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. And then the last verse says, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all my failure and pride on a hill that you created, the light of the world was abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life, so I could find it here. And if you left the grave behind you, 
so will I. Our God far exceeds anything that we can imagine. His greatness surpasses. And so the power for us to be angry and to feel anger, anger about things that we should be angry about, and the power for us to do this and to struggle with things we shouldn't be angry about, and to not sin, for that to go together, we must realize that at one time, God was angry at me for my sin. And he chose instead of condemnation, he chose to give his life for me. And now God has given mercy and grace to me. And in response to that, so will I. God corrects me. doesn't mean that we shouldn't correct people. God disciplines me. It doesn't mean we shouldn't seek discipline from others and administer discipline when it's needed. There is a church that God has ordained to be his voice of correction, of discipline, of hope. But we are to be reminded that we are not God. God is much greater than we think, and he is much more gracious than we can even fathom. So when we speak correction and truth and discipline, we do it in love, and we desire to seek the salvation of our enemies. Now, something interesting about Psalm 83, I want you to look back with me at Psalm 83, verse 16. Because in the midst of this seemingly hostile lament, this cursing, this judgment that uh, the writer is is just blasting out here. He says, fill their faces with shame. And then there's this one verse, this one section that says, that they may seek your name. Even in this raw, angry prayer, there are words seeking the conversion of the enemies of God to become worshipers of God. So I'll ask you, pointedly. Do you seek for your enemies to worship God? Do you seek for the people that drive you crazy, that you blame for the problems of the world? Do you seek for them to worship God like Jesus does? If not, then tonight's your opportunity to take a step of faith and to say, God, I'm going to trust you because I, I have the heart issue. Because more than I want them to worship you, I want you to vindicate me. And the good news is, we were vindicated about 2,000 years ago when justice was served, when God poured out the wrath of God, all the anger of God onto his son, and Jesus drank every drop of it for us. We were vindicated. We know that the first part of this verse, fill their faces with shame, we know that Jesus had his face filled with shame on the cross. And because of the shame that he took for us, we now walk in forgiveness and victory. We walk in the post-baptism era where we immerse ourselves in the grace and mercy of God and we stand up forgiven and free and holy. And who are we to walk around angry at people praying curses over them. We have been set free from the curse of death and God is empowering us as a church to be filled with his spirit and go around and speak miracles into people's lives and bring forgiveness into people's lives, to bring healing into people's lives and to be the answer that this world is craving because this world is craving healing 
and it is desperate and is grabbing on like a drowning person grasp anything close to them. The world is grasping for anything and everything, and the only thing that will hold you up is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalm 46 reads this. It says, Be still and know that I am God. This is God speaking. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so I want to encourage you that be still here does not mean that you are to sit back and do nothing. Say, he didn't say that. Say, he didn't say that. There we go. You're awake. It doesn't mean we're to sit back and do nothing. It means that while you are working, while you are doing things to make your world better around you, Remember this. This is what be still means. Remember this. God is God. He's still on the throne. He is reigning in full authority. He is with you. He will be exalted among all nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. And in that moment, rest and choose yourself to exalt God in your own heart. Worship Him. Praise Him. Take your anger to Him. And allow His grace and mercy to flood your heart with healing and allow His peace that is greater than anything you can understand to overwhelm your heart. Then you will be able to be angry and not sin. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for taking our shame for us on the cross. And as we look at a psalm like this, I pray, God, that you would uh, remind us that, that we are free to come to you with anything and everything and that we are loved by you and whether we are walking closely with you right now or whether we are running in rebellion, the time for us to run to you and worship you and to praise you is right now. Lord, thank you for um, creating an environment in your church that is a healthy environment, one where we can be imperfect and be accepted, but also an environment that encourages us to take our next steps of faith and to grow in our understanding of who you are. So I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to our hearts when we are struggling with anger. And for those here today who are still not forgiving someone, Lord, move in their heart. Because when we don't forgive, we're really only hurting ourselves. Lord, we cannot walk in freedom and victory if we are holding other people in bondage. So remind us of how you have given us freedom from our sin and allow us to be liberal and generous in giving it out to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.